2: And Welcome to the Glad Tidings, the Athletics Everton Football Club podcast. We're here to discuss three wins on the bounce. Differing performances, not always utterly convincing, but the points on the table certainly were yesterday evening uh, when we were briefly up in fourth place. I'm Greg O'Keefe and I'm joined, as ever by my colleague, fellow Everton correspondent Paddy Boyland, who was covering the game for us last night and... um, before we get into too much of the the, the gravy reunion, let's talk <laughs> about the Southampton game. Another narrow win, uh, but another important win against a side that until very least, well, we, we've already dropped points against, but we would have dropped points against at home. Um, <clears throat> we keep putting in like bits of performances that we've had and it seems to be enough at the moment. And I think we had a good half against Southampton, would you say?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I don't think it was was vintage Everton. I still look back on the performances at the start of the season when they were swatting the likes of Brighton and West Brom away with, let's be honest, relative ease. Yeah. Um, I still look back on those performances as highlights in so far as kind of overall attacking football goes this season. But I think we're seeing a different Everton at this moment in time. We're seeing an Everton that instead of being kind of gun go is instead picking moments to strike. Yeah. Uh, it's about being yeah. more, a little bit more defensive, a little bit more uh, pragmatic, uh, being solid. So obviously now they've kept clean sheets in the, each of the last three games. Um, and they're not creating many chances, but when they do create chances, they're very good ones. And they've got the quality to make the difference in those moments. So you get Richarlison standing up, you get Sigurdsson, Ancelotti making substitutions at key moments in time. And I should also point out as well, Pickford's been really good in each of the last three games, um, making crucial saves in every single one yeah. of those matches. So it, it, it feels like a different Everton. But I almost wonder, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, whether it has to be a different Everton right now. They've, they've not got the, the the depth, the the quality depth that they had at the beginning of the season. They've not really been able to select their strongest lineup since the Merseyside derby back in October, as I, th- I think it was. Instead, they've, they've had to contend without kind of a lot of key players. And even against West Brom and Southampton this week, James was missing, Tom Davis, who's been really key of late, Seamus Coleman, the club captain, was out, Robin Olsen was out, Delph, Gabamin, uh, The injuries have stacked up, and, and at times, Everton have been short on the bench. Um, but you don't hear any moaning out of Carlo Ancelotti. He just can't finds a way to keep on winning. And I think that's been the story of this run.
2: Absolutely, yeah. The pragmatism that he's shown and the ability to grind those results along the way um, recently um, has been fantastic. It's like it reminds me a little bit of Moyes, with the caveat that we know that when he's got a full, full squad, full team, that they can play, they can really, they can blow sides away. As we like you mentioned we saw earlier in the season with Brighton and West Brom, and um, although it was a different iteration of West Brom that we faced last night. Yeah. Uh, they still managed to get over the line and uh, yes so I think it's essential that there is obvious reasons why we're not free-flowing and it's essential we just get results because we as much as I'm loath to sort of knit it in a way we are right in the mix of top four now Um, I still find it i hate to be pessimistic but I still find it improbable but each result now starts to make me second guess myself because you know and maybe I'll feel even more involved after Monday if that goes our way. Uh, I have to say Chelsea looked really good at Anfield yesterday as well and, and and you know, will cause anyone problems. But we've already beaten them once this season. We'll talk about that as well later on. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think he's just the ultimate pragmatist, Ancelotti. and he's just finding ways to get through. And as, as your piece Said today, and I do recommend if you haven't read Paddy's piece about the game yet, do it. It's a really interesting 42 seconds that you know proved pivotal last night, yeah, and could be pivotal to the season. Yet it was such a banana skin, it would have been so evident to, to lose
1: drop points or lose that game. I think, certainly, if you look at the the discussion on the side prior to the game, loads of people were saying that kind of thing. I think we've we we, ex, we almost expect now we're preconditioned to expect Everton to uh slip up when they play teams in the bottom half of the table and also when something is riding on the game, when there's an opportunity to make real kind of bold, positive steps. I mean, for years now, we've gone on about the beat Villa go go top (laughs) stuff uh, early into one of Marco Silva's seasons and Everton then contrived to lose that game. It was a bit like beat West Brom go fourth here, but they actually did. They actually did do that on this occasion. I think that matters a great deal. I highlighted the subs and, in fairness, to Alan and to Ancelotti, I actually think that the decisive shift maybe happened a couple of minutes before Sigurdsson came onto the pitch. It wasn't really working for Everton in the second half. I think West Brom started to threaten a little bit. But just bringing on Alan, somebody of Alan's experience, Mm. and getting him to sit in front of the back four and take the ball off those defenders, um, they shifted to a diamond and it just made Everton look that bit slicker in possession and that bit more reassured out of possession. Um, so I think that was the foothold that they needed to kind of get the opportunity for somebody like Sigurdsson to deliver. And then you're waiting for a player like him to, to do what he did. Um, one of the things I really like from the last three to four games is that we're talking about some different names here. At the start of the season, it was James this, DCL this, Luka this. And all of those players are going to be really important between now and the end of the season, provided they stay fit. But if you look at the guys in the last three to four games that have stood up and been counted, it's Gylfi Sigurdsson, Jordan Pickford, Richarlison's picked up again. In the case of the first two, players that have been pretty divisive at times have split opinion. But now Sigurdsson, I think it's, it's five assists and three goals in his last eight games for Everton the kind of form that he was showing in Marco Silva's first season. Pickford, I would say, has made three standout saves, at least three standout saves in these games, one in each match, from Vestergaard against Southampton, from Salah against, uh, at Liverpool, and against the uh, in the first half, West Brom. When we start talking about different individuals, it gives a sense that Everton are going in the right direction because um, more people are contributing and the squad appears to be expanding outwards a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's really, really key because this season is the season where you play Monday, Thursday, Monday again. Alan played on Monday night, but was out for two and a half months before that. So he needed a rest in the, in the first half at the Hawthorns. You need to use your squad to get through these matches. You, you have to be able to rotate. If Everton have got somebody like Sigurdsson on the bench as a number 10, and he can come on and just deliver for 30 minutes three four even kind of two or three telling crosses then they're in they're in a really good place so i i think that's the most important thing out of all of this to be honest
2: i agree everyone's pulling their weight at different times no one's hiding um you know people are stepping up having really good games and then going back to sort of just being there and, and performing but maybe not excelling and um, but everyone's pulling their weight and giving, it offering something and it's it's a good point about the it feels like the the squad's expanding. When you were talking, then it, what you were saying about the the run of fixtures, it did make me think like, <laughs> in a in a weird way, were we to get Europa League, one the promising thing is I think the squad would actually be prepared for like the the grueling rotor of Europa League football a bit more than if they just come to it cold. Because they, I mean, it's not just us, obviously. It's every Premier League club, but the fixtures being like they are. Um, it's just it's just a point that maybe that they'll be better accustomed to it. Obviously, we're going to have to if we get Europe in whatever capacity. We're going to have to increase the squad in the summer.
1: Ancelotti said that, didn't he? He said I can't remember which press conference it was. Now that I was I was sitting in on um, the days, kind of merging to one at that point in <laughs> time. As I'm sure every listener will will understand. Um, but he Ancelotti said very recently that he's looking at two to three players reinforcements over the summer so it's not kind of wholesale changes it's not widespread restructuring of this squad it's tweaks or here or there just to to supplement and improve yeah I think what what we're saying is that if you play Monday Thursday Monday which is what they're doing this season and what they may have to do next season because of Europe if they qualify mm-hmm. you effectively need in in core positions you're looking at needing kind of four centre-halves minimum you're looking at needing four central midfielders minimum and good central midfielders. But I think as as, as well as that, you need, you need a, another striking option. You need Hammers um, and Sigurdsson to continue to rotate as the number 10. And I think that's, that, that's been great for both of them because neither one of them is able to play three games in a week. Certainly not three ninety minutes, but if you chop and change, you keep them both fresh. And they're there to make that difference when they need to. So James plays as the number 10 against Liverpool. After two minutes, picks up the ball and threads one through. Richarlison Score, Lovely, lovely goal. Watch that time and time again. Sigurdsson effectively did the exact same thing for Richarlison against Southampton, um, albeit on his right foot that time. And then Sigurdsson, with James missing, um, comes up with the, the one real moment of quality from an attacking standing from Everton in the game. At the at the Hawthorns against West Brom. So I think that shows that what Ancelotti's doing now with rotation is working. Yeah. See him do that next season in the Europa League. As I highlighted in the piece, I just think there are a few positions. Everton are still not altogether that comfortable in possession at times. Things break down too easily. Yeah. Um, a couple of players giving the ball away in a, in dangerous positions for, for West Brom chances. There are a few areas I still look at, and I think we know they like they like the idea of a new right back. When sides sit deep, Mason Holgate's not going to give you enough in an attacking sense. He's a central defender by trade. In central midfield, you may be looking for another passing option, um, somebody that can maybe do some of what Gomez does, but arguably does it with more legs and um, is a little bit more productive in terms of assists and things like that. Well, um,
2: any, anyone could be more productive in terms of assists than goals. The
1: goal. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah. Um, but, but you can see you can see where they need to improve, but I think they are going in the right direction. And the fact that you're able to kind of let's say rotate Pickford Nelson and rotate Sigurdsson and hammes without losing too much quality. And I stress too much there. Um I, I think bodes bodes well for the future and bodes well particularly for a Europa or a Champions League campaign, hopefully.
2: Definitely. Well, um, like I say, do do check out Paddy's piece on the game. And at the same time as well, we mentioned Charleston a the lot. There's a fantastic piece, I <laughs> don't say so myself, that we did together about his resurgence. And, and the thing is, right now you can you can subscribe to Athletic if you haven't already for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. Um, and it's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll get all that analysis and in-depth features from the best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. So just go to theathletic.com forward slash Everton Pod. To take advantage of that special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to Michelob com slash courtside to learn more.
2: Well, arguably Elton's game does pale into insignificance when compared to the, the real contest of the week. Um, and that was the athletics quiz that we were talking about with Ali, the producer beforehand, um, last Friday. Hello to everybody who sat through <laughs> sat through it with us. Sorry again about the various technical issues, but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, part of that, I think as it went on, the, the frequency of trips to the fridge to get a fresh beer seemed to increase when given RIT scares, but overall it was a good laugh, wasn't it?
1: It was good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think a little bit like Everton at West Brom, I kind of had to, to grow into the uh grow into the quiz five minutes before we had a lot of IT problems <laughs> and I was getting increasingly exasperated but once we kind of shook that off it, yeah it was good it was good fun um a lot of people tripped up we put the um put the quiz on the site but a lot of people tripped up on the the, the final round um so I have to hold my hands up that it was maybe a bit mean as, it, as it there a few di- a few difficult questions in there. But that's me, mate. Genius so, it be a little bit mean at times. Uh, so, no, it was it, no, it was really good fun. It was really good fun. Um and yeah the trips to the fridge did kind of pick up throughout the uh throughout the evening. So I hope hope anyone that listening that took part enjoyed it and and if you haven't then then do check out the uh the stuff on the site, it might be a bit of kind of stuff for your weekend to, to, to get you through the weekend.
2: Yeah, and it was a great cause as well, wasn't it? In, in Prostate Cancer
1: UK, so I think we all uh, felt it was important to support that. And yeah,
2: as you say, thanks for joining us on a Friday evening. Um, obviously, we don't play again now until Monday, but then there's a really big test on the horizon for us in, in, in well, not just a, a talk about places where we've, we haven't won for a long time. <laughs> Stan, it, Anfield pales into... Uh, insignificance when you compare it to Stamford Bridge which is just ridiculous I, I wonder how old you were when we last very <laughs> last one there frightens me the answer to that uh, 94
1: I was born in 92 so people can do the maths oh, so- in minutes, <laughs> on I certainly don't remember the win.
2: <laughs> Horrific. So anyway, it's been a long, 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 long time. Two wins out of two for, Joe for various reasons in the league, I should say. We've won there in the Cup. But uh, of course, we do go there in the Premier League and it's against one of, well, currently our direct rival, for fourth spot, but Chelsea and two Tuchel's men went above us after they beat Liverpool yesterday. <laughs> After they beat Liverpool, so I don't know if there's a glitch there. After they beat Liverpool, (laughs) Um, 1-0. Quite an entertaining game, I thought, um, having been able to relax and just watch it as a neutral. So that was good. Um, But they're a handful, aren't they? And uh, (laughs) Although beating Liverpool is much of a brag at the moment, uh, they they did do that in style, I thought. And therefore pose a serious challenge to us. It seems to have got them playing. Thought they were particularly, hard when you mentioned how sometimes we've looked a bit raggedy on the ball in possession occasions. Let's say I would contrast that with Chelsea when they went to Anfield last night. And yeah, it wasn't flawless. It wasn't Man City robotic level of perfection, but it was pretty damn good. Like everyone looked comfortable taking the ball in really tight areas. So, what sort of Everton do we need to be to go there and get something, do you reckon?
1: Um, I think we will be the Everton. That we've seen in away games all season. Mm. But interestingly, after last, well, Thursday night's win over West Brom at the Hawthorns, Everton, I think, were only only Manchester City had taken more points per game on the road mm. than Everton. And even that's a very slender margin. I think we're talking about 30 points compared to 29 from the same amount of games. So Everton's record is right up there as, as we know with those sides. Yeah. Ancelotti's not going to look to reinvent the wheel. You'd almost be stupid to to look to do so, given the form. Uh, They've won away at Spurs. They beat Liverpool at Anfield, won away at Leicester, uh, drew at Manchester United. So the evidence is there that when Everton sit deep and they deprive space and they get a few opportunities from set pieces, they can be very, very dangerous. What, What I would say about Chelsea is that Chelsea are good themselves from set-piece situations. And sometimes with Everton, it's a little bit like, what happens if they don't establish aerial dominance? I touched on it in my my piece from the Hawthorns. Um, What happens if Everton don't create those kinds of chances? They're not likely to get many of them against people like Zuma, Rüdiger. They they are aerially dominant players in their own right. So I'm a little bit intrigued by that. But I I don't think we'll do much different. Um, Like you, I was impressed with Chelsea. I think Tuchel's really... Got a tune out of them. Timo Werner looks better, infinitely better. I would say, despite the goal, still eluding him a little bit. Uh, Mason Mount is having a cracking season. Uh, fantastic goal at the cup end, obviously. Um, and what it, what impressed me most with them actually was the way that once they went up, they kept Liverpool at arm's length. Like Ever- what Everton do when whenever they go one nil up, they manage the game in a different way. It's kind of sit deep um, and defend. The six yard box and the, the 18 yard box very well. Mm. From Chelsea, it's slightly different. They just take speed out of the game. It's it's short passing, it's it's keeping possession. That's ultimately what I would like to see Everton do at some point down the line, but I don't think they've got quite enough ability um, on the ball at, at present great. to do so. So it's going to be a real, really tough test. It was a little bit irritating that they, even though they went to Anfield and won, that that wasn't say a nil nil draw because that would have kept Everton fourth overnight, yeah, <laughs> and symbolically exactly. that that would have been lovely. But what it would stress is, I mean, this it, it does feel pivotal. This game doesn't it for for the for the Champions League? You, it does, yeah. Chelsea went back above Everton with with a win, but they played a game more. They're only one point ahead, if if memory serves. Um, so there's an opportunity here if Everton continue their their stronger away There's an opportunity for Everton to put themselves slap bang in the in, in, in the race, not only for a top four place, but I think everything from two down is up for grabs now because Manchester United have dropped off a little bit. Um, it's only Manchester City are unparalleled. <laughs> Don't even think about them. Um, but everyone down, um, every position down, I think, is up for grabs. So if, if Everton, they've got Burnley after that. If Everton, let's say, t- took four points from the next two games... You wouldn't just be looking at fourth, but you'd be looking even higher than that. And hopefully I'm not getting ahead of myself here. I just think that's how the table is this season.
2: Well, let's just look at how the table is at the moment, or or rather I'll I'll just briefly... Everton are currently fifth, as we record this on Friday morning, on 46 points. Chelsea just above us on 47. Leicester in third on 50. And then United, 51. So as, as Paddy's saying there, there's... Five points between Everton now and second place. Um, we've got that game in hand, albeit against Villa, who, you know, it's it's not an easy, it's not a gimme by any means. No. But you only need, like Leicester have been pretty consistent all season, but can be up and down. And of course, our results against them have been decent. United, we've done well against. Um, and again, uh, everyone's miles behind City, like you say. So you do genuinely begin to wonder how achievable <laughs> not just fourth could be, but beyond that. Um, in this weird season, I still don't feel like we have the squad depth, but no, that just brings me back to what we said earlier in, in this pod where we're seeming to do all right with the squad we've got because people are stepping up when we need them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, t- I totally agree with that. And I think what, what what's important here is that Alan's back. I think Alan. is is probably the the side's most important, most influential midfielder. Certainly ball-winning midfielder. I think he makes Everton just look 10 times better and 10 times more comfortable, both in and out of possession. He's the the experienced head in there. Missing Tom Davis as well. Now, Hammers getting Hammers back, I think, will be important too. Mm. For me, it's just about making sure that some of those guys return soon. And I know Ancelotti he'll check again on them, but he was hopeful when he spoke after the match to broadcasters, he was hopeful that he'd have a few of those players back for, for the game against um, Chelsea on Monday night. So if they, if they were to get a few of them those those players back, then all of a sudden you're, you're looking at it and going, well, look how well they've done without those guys. What would a fully fit Alan Davis, Hamers, Rodriguez do to this Everton team and this Everton squad? It could give them the injection, the boost of quality that they need to almost kind of revitalise things a little bit uh, going into the business end of the season. That's the exciting thing. It doesn't always pan out like that, as we know, but that's the potentially exciting thing. We know these guys are important to Everton and have been this season and and, and kind of, in some cases, beyond. Um, If they come back and they start firing, then Everton are going to be a serious proposition.
2: This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. I agree with Ancelotti, he said, he said after the game, he said at the start of the season, no one could say Everton after 26 games would be where we are. The dream is the Champions League, it'd be fantastic to follow this dream, it's a step in the career of everyone. We're in the fight, but you need to sacrifice until <laughs> the end. Yeah. There's more pressure because we're in the fight for Europe, we want to be there and we've worked really hard to be there. This is our step and our target. Um, Ashley Cole in Sky Studio afterwards was quite dismissive of Everton as... Credentials really for the top four as a sort of neutral voice, if you like. Um, he's just completely just dis- not a neutral voice, though. He's a, he used to play for Chelsea, well, exactly. Yeah, but in the sense that I wouldn't imagine he's got any particular axe to Everton, other than the fact that um, him and everyone else knew that when everyone used to bang on about the left best left back in the country, it wasn't really him, it was Leighton Baines. <laughs> but what I would say is, I'm fine with other clubs, maybe slightly, uh, well, with people slightly writing us off. I think that's. A decent place to be in because we can kind of build the siege mentality at a key part of the season and keep our powder dry. I mean, the points totals are so low, aren't they? Like 46 points, and we're fifth on the brink of the top four. We got 75 in that season under Martinez, 13,
1: 14.
2: 72. <clears throat> 72. So you're right. When we finish fifth again. Now, I know there's 12 games left, but it ain't going to require 72 points to get in the top four. I don't think this no, season. No
1: way. No way. Uh, like you say, uh, who really cares about what's said outside the club um, and what's outside, outside kind of the, the journal, journalistic spheres, obviously, we we, we occupy. Um, I don't think Ancelotti will give kind of two hoots, to, to be frank. Um, I just wondered, though, I mean, sitting in on the press conference after the game against West Brom, it was quite apparent to me that the rhetoric's changed from Ancelotti over the past week certainly after the Southampton game. Before then, he, he was very much dismissive of particularly a, a tilt at the Champions League positions. It was always Europa League's our target this season. If we achieve that or we win a cup, we'll have more than achieved our aims. But it feels like now he's, he's effectively saying the aim is, is Champions League. It has to be Champions League because of where Everton are in the table. Is, is that something you're getting from him as well? I don't think
2: he's scared to talk about the Champions League. is He's realistic. There's no trepidation with him because he's been there and done it. Literally, he's won it. So why would he? I think he's been realistic. And then at the stage when he thinks, well, this is realistic, he's very comfortable talking about Everton's prospects of the Champions League in a way that not many Everton managers would be. And I think things like that make something that previously felt, you know, David Moyes spoke a bit about a glass ceiling, just hearing the manager talking about it in in those sort of terms makes it feel more achievable. Little things sometimes, and you know, obviously it helps having Ancelotti full stop in every aspect. But I think it, it matters what managers say about the targets, and you know, I understand why why many of them go down the, the cliche tired all one game at a time, right or soft route. But I actually think it's quite nice to hear managers say, "Well, yeah, why not?"
1: I agree. I think for years we we've had conversations like like the one Moyes was having while he was at the club. It was kind of knife to a gunfight yeah. rhetoric yeah. whenever Everton played a side in the top four or the top six. Ancelotti has moved away from that a little bit because of his own status in the game. He, he kind of thinks at times anything is possible. And I think the key with having somebody like him is that your players start to believe that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've seen interviews in the last couple of weeks with Ben Godfrey Michael Keane, to name but a few. And they're talking about the Champions League. They're talking about that being the aim. I think there is a real sense of belief in that dressing room. And quality is very important. Uh, You can't qualify for the Champions League if you've not got quality players, certainly in key parts of the pitch, kind of decisive parts of the pitch. But I think that belief's got to be there as well. and If you marry the two, you're in with a real chance. Now the belief is there. Slowly but surely, the quality is improving. That's not to say Everton are favourites for a top four position, but Ancelotti, the fact that they've got Ancelotti is almost making it realistic, more realistic, slightly ahead of schedule. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting. But I do sense that belief is there now.
2: Yeah, and even I sometimes find myself, like when you hear the players talking about it and you think, are they actually just saying that? But I don't think they are. I think there's a genuine sense of of belief. There's a genuine sense of togetherness, I think. Which was which he's built and I think that's possibly another reason why he was keen to keep the squad compact in, in January and not bring in bodies for the sake of it because you know he was willing to let Bernard go because it's very fragile to get that sort of to get the balance right between players who aren't playing every week but can feature who aren't walking around Finch Farm with a face on them. My I get the feeling there's a really good positive atmosphere atmosphere at Finch Farm at the moment, there which is, is massive, isn't there it? There is definitely.
1: Well we've we've written this before. I mean we 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 when we whenever we did stuff on Angelotti's appointment and his kind of first few months or first year in the role, we always decided to highlight the fact that if you spoke to people around the club, they were talking about how Finch Farm was a much happier place, yeah. a much brighter place. You get that sense when you speak to the players um on, on the opportunity that arises. Um so it it feels like a happier camp. You can see the friendships, I think, paying dividends because Calvert-Lewin and Tom Davis are kind of willing each other on. And Godfrey, Michael Keane, Mason Holgate get on really well. Jordan Pickford's mucked in. And I think it makes it easier for somebody like, let's say Pickford, who who went through difficult moments earlier this season. I think it makes it easier for him to bounce back because he knows that not only has he got the faith of his manager, and Ancelotti, say, repeatedly backed him, but he also knows that kind of, he's got Michael Keane fighting this corner. He's got Ben Godfrey or his mates. They are mates as well as as teammates. They're friends. So um, so I think that that helps massively yeah. in in this case. It, it, it must do. Um, And I, I think it's happier than it's been for quite some time, being frank. The, the other thing I'd say, by the way, very quickly is that um, I think if you said to somebody like Ben Godfrey, and this is an attitude thing, said to somebody like Ben Godfrey, um, is the aim now fourth? I think he'd almost laugh and he'd be like, well, why couldn't it be second? He's got that kind of mentality about him. He's, he's not one of those guys that impose, imposes a glass ceiling. I think he's a winner. I think he's, I think he's a fighter and he's a winner. Uh, and he's obviously performed very well in this run. So um, the fact that they're keeping clean sheets, the fact that there's belief that they've got Ancelotti there, but that they're also winning the moments. that they're, they're, they're taking the chances when they come because they've got clinical strikers at the moment but they're also saving stuff at the other end, whether it be kind of through a Godfrey block yeah. or a Pickford save. Yeah, That means that Everton are, are, have obviously put themselves right in right in the mix here. And now all you can say is, more or less, it's in their hands, qualifying for the Champions League. And that's all you can ask after, what, 26 games of the season.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Really exciting. So, I mean, do, do keep with us, because we've got plenty of good stuff coming up next week as well uh, around... The uh, the the exciting times around Everton. Um, we, we mentioned Gilfy Sigursen a bit uh, in this podcast. We're, we're working on a piece that I think you'll like about Gilfrey. Um And there's also a couple of uh, interviews on the uh, on the books coming up. Um, one lad, Fraser Hornby. Uh, I don't know if you remember him, big centre forward, young lad who, who left last summer, but has since gone on to play all over the place. Really, currently in Aberdeen. Uh, but is contracted to Stadrem had a chat with him uh, and got his insight into why I didn't work at Everton and what life has been like since but yeah plenty to uh, coming up next week obviously not least the coverage of a massive game down in West London on Monday so thanks very much for listening as ever cheers for sticking with us and speak to you next week
1: Athletic.